chapter 5 and verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now chapter 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into, unto perfection, not laying against the foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith towards God. Now let's pray. God, over these next few minutes, I pray that, Father, you'll be glorified, honored, and praised, Father, through the word of God and through the message that you've laid upon my heart. Lord, I pray for a touch of God upon this church tonight. I pray for the unction of the power of the Holy Spirit for which man cannot buy or obtain in his own human strength, but only by that almighty hand of God that you would move in our presence, Father, that the lost, Father, to be saved and the saved to be revived. God, that you would work in such a way tonight that, Father, Lord, it will not be because of man, but because of an almighty, holy God that you moved in our presence and in our midst. And God, we ask that you would move now and all agree together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a joy it is to be here tonight. Many of our friends are here, and I'm grateful that uh, you've gotten here at the right place, the right time. And uh, I'm glad you're here tonight, didn't get uh, lost or anything, and uh, reminds me of a story about an old fellow that I heard about, a young preacher that was preaching over in Kentucky, and he got a call to go to West Virginia, and so he goes to West Virginia to pastor, and uh, as he's uh, first week he's there, the local funeral home director calls him and says, uh, I want to introduce myself, I know you're new in town, he's a young preacher, uh, he's just moved, and uh, he introduced himself, and he says, now, I I've got a, a, a favor to ask you, if you would help me out, we have a fellow who passed away in the community, but he's homeless. He has no family, no friends, and, and there'll be no one there at the funeral, but uh, can you help us out and preach that funeral? Matter of fact, it's going to be in a brand new cemetery up in the hills, and we want you to come and to help us, and, and uh, if you don't mind, and so that young preacher says, yes, I'll help you. And so he says, the funeral home director says, if you don't mind, you just follow us, and, and the young fellow said, well, I've got some things to do. I'll just meet you up there. And so the next morning comes and he takes off to the cemetery and uh, he gets lost. You know, just like any men that get lost, they ain't going to stop and ask nobody for directions, amen? And so an hour later, he pulls up to the stop sign. He sees uh, over there, he's, uh, he, he, there's a big backhoe, and uh, there's some fellows that, that uh, are over there eating lunch. He's late. He's embarrassed, and uh, there's no sign of the hearse anywhere. 
he just pulls up and he gets out and he quickly gets his jacket on and he goes uphill to where that uh, uh, that hole was and there's that big vault and uh, he's just uh, overwhelmed with embarrassment. He looks over at the fellows that, that are eating lunch and over to the side and he says to them, he said, this won't take long and uh, he just commences to preach it. And so he just preaching up a storm. And uh, those old fellows uh, that are eating their lunch or workers, they just get, uh, they get happy. I mean, one of them says amen. And another one says hallelujah. And another one says glory. And about an hour later, he just finishes up. He says, thank you, boys. And he's going back down to his car. And uh, he gets ready to put his jacket uh, inside the back seat. And one of the fellows looks over at the other and says, You know, I've never seen anything quite like that. That old preacher, he's just swelling with pride and his head's just so big and he's just so old. They've just heard a good message and uh, he's just so excited and, uh, and, he's, and he's got his coat off. He's getting ready to get in the car and the other old boy says, I ain't never seen nothing like that. I've been putting septic tanks in for 30 years and I've never seen anything like that. Amen. Woo. Well... He had a good message, but he was in the wrong place, wasn't he? Amen. But I'm thankful tonight that I'm in the right place. Amen. I'm in the house of the Lord, and, uh, and, and we're here to hear a message from the Lord. We see here in the scriptures tonight, the writer of Hebrews, that uh, he's writing to those Jewish believers. Those Jewish believers he's writing to in chapter 5 and chapter 6, they are going through some tough times. They are fairly new believers. And uh, they are going through a time of, 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 of drifting away from God. And here, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5 and chapter 6 gives a, a warning of, of falling away or drifting away from God. He's giving a strong warning here. And, and, and they are going through some struggles. They're, they're just, listen, they, they're trying to go through the, the absolute life of, of being a Christian, a new believer, and they're struggling with their past because of the Jewish traditions of, a, of, of rules and regulations and, and, and rituals and, and being formal. And, and, and they're caught up in a, in a conflict. And here the writer of Hebrews, he's, he's sharing his heart. He says unto them, he says, understand this, don't, listen, that gives a warning that they ought not to drift away from God. They are not to fall away from God. As I stand here, March the 23rd, 2014, I believe the same warning can be given to every single person in this place tonight. Every child of God there's a warning, there is a, listen, there's a warning that we ought not to drift away from God. That we stand in need of a, of a, a revival. What kind of revival are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about a beseeching heaven, God-anointed, sin-killing, word-proclaiming, true-repenting revival that only God can do in the midst of our churches and in the midst of our lives and families. We need revival, folks. 
We just look around and we can see, listen, all around our land, we need revival and we need it in the church house. Revival's been defined as a rekindling of the fire of God. You see, we need, a, we need a rekindling of the fire of God in the believers of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, revival's for the church. To revive something, it's got to be alive to begin with. And thus, he's talking to Christians here. He's sharing a word of warning. He's desiring to see revival in the midst of the Christians, the Jewish believers. And he desires to see revival in our heart and our life. Charles Finney, the great revival preacher of the 18th century, once said uh, about revival, he said this, that revival... God Almighty... And God's sending a warning to us tonight. It is a warning that we are to return unto the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are to fall on our knees and come before a holy God that desire that God to be at work in our hearts, in our lives, in our churches. If America's ever to see revival, it's going to have to start in my life and in your life. If revival's ever going to come to our nation, it's got to start here even tonight. Now listen to me. So no doubt that we need revival. The world we live in is in a mess. There's war and there's rumors of war from, from uh, Ukraine to the Middle East. It seems like at, at a moment's notice, at a spark that could start a war in the world we live in. We see all across our nation in America, we see the family unit crumbling, un but listen, crumbling under its feet. We see that alcohol and drugs that are absolutely impacting our community, this community no different from any other community. We need a move of God. We need revival that our churches will see a move of God that only God could bring. You say, preacher, why is it that we need revival? Last year alone in the Southern Baptist Convention, listen to me, statistics say that 10,000 churches, almost 10,000, 10,000 churches in the Southern Baptist Convention did not baptize not one person. What does that mean? That means over 2 million sermons were preached from pulpits like this. Nobody walked the that means, listen, that over 8 million songs, hymns, choruses, songs that were sung to the Lord that nobody walked the aisle. On average, over $400 million were given through those 10,000 churches and nobody walked the aisle. Nobody came to be saved. Nobody accepted the Lord. Thus, we, uh, listen, thus it tells us and we need revival. We need a move of God. You see, there's a strong warning here given by the writer of Hebrews. He shares that warning, the solemn warning that we are, listen, that, that there is a warning of falling away, of drifting away from God. So I want to share three little quick points and we'll be gone. Listen, I want to share tonight three things that you'll recognize when you're drifting away from God. Now listen to me. I know I'm speaking to mostly church folks tonight, but I'm here to tell you, listen folks, that's what the message is for. It's for you and it's for me. 
And there's three things that, that, the, that, that I want to share tonight through the Word of God. There's some things, listen, that we need to be warned about. That we're, listen, there's some things that, that, that are going to be recognized in our own life and others that we will recognize if we are falling away or drifting away from God, that we stand in need of revival. Now, the first thing is this. You say, well, you're going to realize that you stand in need of revival. When you, listen, when you begin to drift away, you lose your affection for the Savior. You lose your affection for the Savior. Now look there in verse 11. The Bible says, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard, listen, hard to be uttered, seeing that ye are dull of hearing. You see, understand this. When you lose your affection for the Savior, you lose your passion, you lose your excitement, and you become dull to the things of God. You become dull to His Word. You become dull in prayer time. You become dull in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If I asked, listen, if I asked you the question tonight, how many of you love the Lord? Not, listen, probably all of us raise our hands and say we love the Lord. Lord, preacher. But I want to ask you another question now. Are you as excited about the Lord as you once were when you got saved? Well, that's a different story. You see, for a lot of us, we're not as excited as we used to be. We're not as excited as we used to be of our salvation experience when we invited Christ to come into our heart and our life. We were so excited, so passionate, so on fire for God, but maybe something happened or maybe we've gotten away from God. We've fallen away from God. We've drifted away from God. And when you lose your affection for the Savior, that's exactly what will happen. You'll become dull and you'll lose your excitement from God and you'll grow cold and different to the things of God. The Bible says, listen to me, understand that we will become dull of hearing, dull that we cannot hear from God. Remember the day you got saved? Man, remember the day you got saved and that salvation experience, whether it's, listen, whether it's been a week ago or, or, or 20 years ago or 40 years ago or 50 years ago, doesn't matter. But you remember the day you got saved, you invited Christ to come into your heart and he changed you from the inside out. And you're, listen, and you were so passionate about God. What about tonight? What about tonight? Are you as excited as you were then? about your relationship with the Lord? You see, for a lot of us, they're not. A lot of us, they're not excited about the Lord. So how can you tell, preacher? You go to most Southern Baptist churches on a Sunday morning, and, and listen, First Baptist Church don't have this problem, but, but there's a lot of churches that have the problem. Only a half show up. You will go back on Sunday night, and you'll be blessed to have uh, about 25% of them. And then on Wednesday night, you'll be blessed to have just a handful. Even the FBI can't find some of them. Now stay with me. Listen, friend. What does that tell us? It tells us that we are in need of a mighty move of God. We need revival. We, listen, we've lost the wonder of all. We lost the joy of our salvation, and we've become dull to hearing from God and experiencing God, and we need God to work in our midst. Let me explain it like this. Man, do you, do you remember the first time you started courting your wife? 
You, ladies, you remember the first time you, you started courting your husband? I mean, you got so excited, and, and, and you got, listen, when you got married, you newlyweds, and you're so excited, and you remember all those flowers and that candy, and, and, uh, and you remember those little love notes you wrote, and, or maybe you uh, made your, your, your future husband a meal. I mean, you just so excited, you couldn't hardly stand. But what about today? Two or three years later? Ten years later? Excitement's gone. You say, well, how do you know, preacher? Statistics prove it. Marriage after marriage is ending divorce. Even those in the church house, marriages are ending, and there are those that, that fell in love and all of a sudden now falling out of love. No excitement. Friend, listen to me. There ought to be excitement in your marriage and there ought to be excitement in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll never forget. Listen, I, I will never forget July the 26th, 1997. That's when me and my wife, Miss Tracy now, got married. Calvary Baptist Church in Williamston, South Carolina. I was serving as a youth pastor. Never forget that time the church was packed and, and she walked down that aisle and uh, we were in love and still in love, amen. And uh, we got married and uh, what a wonderful experience. But I'll never forget, we were going to the uh, reception at the fellowship home. Never forget this. We got to the fellowship hall and had this uh, uh, senior adult man come up to me and he said, now, son, I'm going to tell you something. Let me give you a little advice about marriage. And I perked my ears up. We all need a little advice, amen. And so I perked my ears up. I said, well, what is it? He said, I'm going to tell you something. Those first couple of years, you'll want to eat her up. After that, you wished you had, amen. <laughs> oh, mercy. Lost their sweetness, didn't they? Heard about a little boy, said his, asked his daddy the question, Daddy, how much does it cost to get married? He said, I don't know, son. I'm still paying. Amen. <laughs> oh, mercy. You see, a lot of marriages lost their, lost their sweetness. But I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of Christians who've lost their sweetness. Their Christian life ain't what it used to be. And it, listen, they've lost their joy. Listen, they've lost their excitement. They've lost their passion for the Lord. And listen, friend, when you begin to lose, listen, when you begin to lose that, you begin to drift away from God. When you begin to lose your affection for the Savior, you begin to fall away from God. We stand in need of a mighty move of God. We stand in need of revival, friend. Now listen, church. Revival only comes when we get on our face before a holy God. You see, we lose our affection for the Savior. We drift away from God. The only, listen, the only answer we have is to fall on our face and call on an almighty holy God that desires to send a mighty wave, a revival in your life and mine. There's the second thing that you're going to realize when you begin to drift away from God. Not only you lose your affection for the Savior, but you also lose your awareness of sin. 
You lose your awareness of sin. Now look there in verse 12 and verse 13. The Bible says, For when ye, for, listen, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principle of the oracles of God, and are become such as, ha, ha, listen, as have need of meal and not of strong meat. Now look at verse 13. For everyone that, you, listen, uses milk is unskillful in the word of what? righteousness for he is a babe you see when we begin to drift away from God we lose all concept of righteousness we lose our awareness of sin now the NIV and listen says in verse 13 it says anyone who lives on milk still being a infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness and then it says in the NIV in verse 14 goes on and says it doesn't even know or distinguish evil listen from good here's the bottom line sin don't bother us like it used to you know it and I know it and it, listen, I, I may start stepping on some toes tonight, but that's all right. My toes have already been stepped on, amen? You see, we've lost the awareness of sin. And if we're not careful, we, listen, sin will become to creep in to our lives and it will affect us in our lives individually and in our families. And we lose the awareness of sin. We'll begin to watch things that we, listen, that we had never watched. We begin to hear things that we'd never hear. We begin to look at things that we never thought we'd look at when sin begins to creep in and we begin to lose our awareness of sin. Sin will change you. Sin will destroy you. And sin will take you farther than you want to go and leave your life destroyed. You see, understand without a shadow of a doubt, there's things we watch on TV today. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing fit to watch on TV these days. What we watch on TV these days or what we listen to on the radio, would, listen, our forefathers would turn over in their graves. And you know it to be true. We need to understand. We need to be aware. We don't even blush over sin anymore. What used to be in the closet is outside the closet now. We're, listen, it seems like we are satisfied with our sin. Listen, we, it seems like that, that, we, that we welcome sin. I, I'll never forget as, as a student pastor, I had one of my young people who come up to me one Sunday morning and said, Brother Jeff, I, I, we went and saw a great movie last night. And I said, tell me about it. He said, well, uh, it, it was a good movie, but uh, it, it had a little bad language, had a little violence. I had some nudity or sexual scenes, and I thought to myself, what's good about that? The very sins that nailed my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross of Calvary, what's good about sin? Listen, friend, we become complacent to sin. We compromise sin. Listen, I don't have to lift the lid to know it stinks, friend. It is understanding. If it's trash, it is trash. We need to get back to the ways of old and we need to stand on the Word of God and proclaim the Word of God to understand what God's Word says. Get back to the book, the infallible, inerrant Word of God. 
get back to knowing what God's Word says. And we need to understand, you need to understand, that movie that you read or that music you listened to, you need to understand it can change you. It can impact you. You need to understand that your family is under attack. And let me just warn you, you need to know what's going into your house. You need to know what's going in on the Internet. You need to know what's happening on Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. You need to know what's happening because your kids are being impacted and your kids are being bombarded every day and the devil's out to destroy you and destroy your family and my family and we need to stand on the word of God and to stand for what it says. The Bible says this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible says, but just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You see, a lost world should see a difference in your life. They should see a difference in my life. A Christian should be different than a non-Christian because we are, listen, we have Christ living inside us. Christ is taking residence in our heart and life and they ought to be a difference in the way you act and the way you conduct your business. There should be a difference in everything you do as a Christian. A lost world should see Jesus in your life, friend. They should see Jesus in you. Whatever, listen, you see what's going on today, the, the world says there's a moral absolute. The world says, well, what's, uh, what's right for me may not be right for you, and what's wrong for me may not be wrong for you. There's no moral absolutes whatsoever. That's what the world says. But I've got news, friend. Here's the moral absolute. If God's Word says it's wrong, it's wrong. If God's word says it's right, it's right, friend. And we are to live our lives according to the word of God. We need revival because we've lost the awareness of what sin, how it will impact our hearts and our lives. We need to return unto the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty. I saw this years ago. What a blessing it was. It was a song written by the Steele family. It was a song written that I hope it will bless your heart and I pray it will be our prayer tonight. It goes like this. And I'm not going to sing it so nobody get uh, crazy on me. I love America, but I do not love what she has become. Scripture says, Bless is the nation whose God is the Lord and America has forgotten the godly foundation upon which she was built. Something's wrong. Our children are asked to attend public schools that in many cases resemble war zones without even the, ba listen, the most basic right of any soldier, the right to pray to the God of heaven. Many times the wild-eyed, drug-addicted, gun-carrying teenager is allowed to stay in school while our Supreme Court, listen, decided to expel God from the classroom over 50 years ago. Something's wrong. Television daily bombards the senses of our nation with the idea that wrong is right and the abnormal is normal and the hard is accepted. And that, well, listen, and that what God calls an abomination is nothing more than an all alternative lifestyle and it's had its effect. Almost 55 years ago the number one television program in America was the Andy Griffin show. 
look what we have today. Something's wrong. When our government can pass out contraceptives to children in school without parental consent, and yet the Gideons can no longer pass out the Bible on campus. Something is wrong. When our leaders can say to your children of mine that premarital sex is all right as long as it's safe, listen, yes, something is wrong. And I, am for one, am ready for a change. And I'll say to my government, we're raising children created in the image and likeness of the Almighty God, and I'm going to teach them the Bible. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. The only hope that America has is godly men and women of character that will stand as one mighty army and declare to the immoral, impure, the obscene and the foul that your days of unlimited access are over. The army of God has been silent too long. We were going to take America back. What a blessing. It's time. It's time for Christians to stand on the word of God. You see, we've lost our awareness of sin. We do not blush over sin anymore. When we can, listen, when we can absolutely take sin and to understand what God has told us and shared with us, sin will take your father and you want to go and leave your life destroyed. One last thing. If you're drifting away from God, you'll lose your affection for the Savior. That'll be true. You'll lose your awareness of sin, but there's one last thing. You'll lose your appetite for sinners. Your appetite for sinners. You see, when people begin to drift away from God and get away from God, people begin to realize they don't care if lost people go to hell. Now listen to me. The Bible says in chapter 6 and verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying against the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Folks, listen to me. If you're saved and you're the right will of God, you'll have a heart for those that are lost. Friend, listen to me. When you begin to drift away from God, we lose our appetite for sinners. Lost people don't affect us like they used to. And oh, if we could just understand to get a glimpse of what God desires for us to see, it'd all be different. Why is it, Brother Kenny, that the least attended program of a church is visitation? Why is it we don't reach out? Why is it that we don't share our faith with those? We've got the answer Listen, we've got the answer to the world's problems is found in the Word of God. It is found through the message of Christ that Christ not only came to the world and for 33 years lived an earthly life and then he gave his life on the cross of Calvary. But he, listen, he died, but hallelujah, in three days he rose again and 40 days he ascended into heaven and one glorious day he's coming again. We have the message of Christ, but we fail to share. Why is it that we don't? It is we've lost our appetite. We've lost our heart for those that are lost. You say, preacher, I, I, I just, uh, I, I, don't, I don't have a testimony. Well, friend, if you're saved, you've got a testimony. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved an old wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. Praise God. I was blind, but now I can see. It's the amazing grace of Christ. Oh, that we would shine out the light of Jesus, that the amazing grace that saved us could be the grace of God that saved somebody else. There are those that are lost and dying and going to a sinner's hell, and that we would share Christ with those. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you ever shared Jesus with somebody? I know it's personal tonight. I know it's where the rubber meets the road tonight. When's the last time you ever shared Christ with somebody? Maybe it's today, maybe it's yesterday, maybe it's this week. But let me ask another question. When's the last time you ever attempted to share Jesus with somebody? Friend, hear me. There's those that are dying and going to hell every single day. Read them in the obituaries. Their family members, there are those around us that are lost as lost can be. And do we care enough to tell them about Jesus? We've lost. We've lost it. When it comes to appetite for sinners. We've become indifferent. We've become lukewarm. We have lost our way. And we need a revival that only God can send and God can do incredible thing. You see, we drift away from God. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I got saved in 1983 at Siloam Church in Powdersville. My mom and dad didn't go to church and I got to radically saved. Never forget just a year or two after that and right before I was called to preach. And uh, I'll never forget this. There was a fellow that came to our church to preach. His name was Jess Henley. Jess Henley in his day was, was one of the greatest hell and brimstone fire preachers that ever was. Jerry Vine said he's one of the greatest evangelists to ever live. Matter of fact, Jess Henley did a revival at the First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, Florida, and over 500 people got saved. I will tell you, that's a revival, amen. When the church gets revived and the lost want what the saved's got. I'll never forget this. Jess Henley got up. He was an old gentleman by the time he came to our church. Just shortly after that, passed away. But I'll never forget as he shared the message. He said that God had used him. By the way, grew up in Atlanta, went to Georgia Tech. He pastored there. But he pastored Colonial Hills Baptist Church there in Atlanta for 14 years. At the very end of his ministry, God began to lay on his heart that God had more in store for him, and that was evangelist, to go out and share Jesus. He said, God, I don't know if I can do that. He said, uh, I know you can. I'm calling you. And he said something that changed his life forever. He said, uh, said uh, there was a wife and children that came to his church, but the daddy didn't come to church. He'd always go by his place of work in the house. He'd witness and witness and witness. But that old boy never would come to Christ. Never would accept the Lord. He said one late one night about 2 a.m., Jess Henley said that he got a call. And the lady, called, the lady said, Preacher, we need you to come down to the emergency room. My husband's had a heart attack. 
said all the way down, all he could think about was that man rejecting Christ time after time after time. And said he got to the hospital and went into the hospital ER and he was going back to the room and he said it was like, it's just unbelievable. He said as he got close to where his room was, he began to hear a cry, a holler that was absolutely eerie. Said that old boy began to holler out, It's hot! It's hot! As he was going off to eternity. Jess Henley said that he hollered, It's hot! It's hot! Oh! As he hollered one last time, he took his last breath. At that moment, he realized without a shadow of a doubt, that hell is real. And all he had ever preached about and all that he'd ever shared about, he realized, no doubt, hell is real. Friend, the Bible proclaims that hell is real. It's a real place for those that reject Christ, for those that do not know the Lord. Listen to me. I wonder tonight in this place if there are those that you say, Preacher, I, maybe I've lost my way. Maybe I, listen, you, need, you're, you stand in need of revival. Maybe there, you don't have the appetite for sinners. But listen, if we'll just catch a glimpse of what, listen, what hell is, that the Bible says where the fires quench not, where the worm dieth not, it's a place that is reality for those that reject Christ. Listen, understand that Jesus talked about more about hell than did in heaven. Why? Because he didn't want anybody to go to that terrible place called hell. But listen, for those that are Christians tonight, the majority of us that are here, I wonder if you stand in need of revival. Friend, I don't know anybody or any family that doesn't stand in need of a move of God. Friend, when you're drifting away from God, you lose, listen, your affection for the Savior. You don't love Him like you used to. You're not as excited about the Lord as you used to be, and you have lost your affection for the Savior. Listen, folks, you lose your awareness of sin. Sin don't bother you. You don't blush over sin anymore, and thus the devil's got you right where he wants you, and then you lose your appetite for sinners. You really don't care. We're a lost man, a lost woman. And that's a, that's a sad state of affairs for a lot of our churches, a lot of our folks. I don't know about you, but I stand in need of revival. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, I have come this night to share my heart, to share my life. God, there are those in this place tonight of various churches that make up the mist of this place tonight. And I know, Father God, there are those that stand, Father, those that sit before me that need revival, Lord Jesus. The Holy Ghost, God anointed, beseeching heaven, sin-killing revival that only God can see. Lord, over these next few moments, we go into the most important time. The invitation, this altar will be open. The pastor will be here in the front. Brother Mark will be leading us in the hymn of invitation. But I wonder tonight, is there someone here?
You say, preacher, I came tonight, but I, 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 I don't need revival. I need to be saved. I want to tell you, you showed up the right place. Jesus can save you. If only you'd ask forgiveness of your sin and truly turn unto him, asking him to come into your heart and your life in true repentance. He'll save you. Would you come to be saved tonight? There are many tonight that need to come and just get on an old-fashioned altar and cry out to God and say, God, send revival. Lord, send revival to my home, my family. Send revival to my church. God, send a mighty wave of revival in the midst of my heart and my life because I have lost my affection for the Savior. I've lost the awareness of sin, and I've lost my appetite for sinners. Lord, would it be that tonight you would send a mighty wave of revival. Lord, speak to our hearts now. Move in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.